okay. were evacuated. But it was funny because in my quiet times, I knew that God was up to something. Um, we, I knew that God was moving us because it was, it was as though we, I knew that the street kid thing wasn't forever. And it was as though I knew that God was saying, look, I've got other things I want you to do. And it was becoming increasingly obvious to me that missionaries are expensive. It was costing us, you know, a living wage to keep us out there. And there are brothers and sisters who live there in the churches who could do the job better than I could. I mean, yeah, they couldn't raise the money and get all the foreign, you know, and everything in. But actually, they could do such a great job. And I thought, I felt, why are we here when actually other people can do this job? And then God really confirmed it when the leader of our of the missionary team said, I think it's time for you to move on. I said, just funny, because I really believe that God's been saying to me in the quiet times. And he had ideas for me. And I was like, I'm not really sure that's what God wants. I don't feel gifted to do that. Then we were evacuated, swine flu hit. We all had to leave the country. They were going to move us to America. And Caroline thought, what's the point of going up there? It's going to be expensive. We don't know anybody. Yeah. Let's just fly home. And our parents desperately wanted us home until they knew what was happening. While we're there, David Anderson from Carruthers comes to visit us in Northern Ireland. And he comes and he says, look, how are you feeling about Mexico? And we were saying, you know, it's funny. We wonder, is God moving us on? He says, I'm so glad to hear you say that because we want you home. We want you back because we want to start a work in Wallyford. We've been doing this thing in Wallyford. We've been renovating the place and we think that you guys should, con should consider coming back, pray about coming back and leading the work. You were already involved. Yeah. We went for coffee, but we didn't know each other. We did, and, and that was a wee bit after because Car oh, David, okay. we left started this in 2010. 10 years ago. Yeah. What's happened since then? 
in some ways. You know, to that, the really bad thing from being in Mexico and learning to lead, you know, leading a team, leading teams when they came over, being a missionary that was in charge of something, is that in the Mexican frame of mind, if you decide because you're the leader, and I had a degree which made me a special kind yeah. of a leader, and then it was a missionary which made me a special kind of a leader, in a status-led culture, everybody just does what you say. Mm-hmm. So we're in a church, Andrew and Carol said, we want to do this, so everybody, we're going to come at six o'clock, I'm going to start working and praying and do what Andrew and Carol say. That's what we're used to. Mm-hmm. We come here. We're not a status-driven culture. We're an accomplishment-driven yeah. culture. I had to very quickly learn that I would say, right, I want us to do this. And people would go, oh, I don't think we should. Excuse me. I had to really climb down. Well, I, did, I think it's interesting because obviously I, I've been involved in, in, in Wallyford and then you get somebody new coming in and you're so excited. We are like, yes, these are, because I spoke to David and it's like, yes, we want that. I'd love it if Andrew and Carol came. That would be, that would be brilliant. Um, and you did, and we were excited. And I knew a bit about your leadership at One Way Club, and I know you'd been a really effective leader, really respected, because a lot of the people who you'd been a leader with at yeah. One Way Club had then been involved um, with the work. Oh, right, yeah, like, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Steve, Ham- uh, Steve Hamilton being yeah, one of them. Um, and there yeah. were others, and the, my mind's totally. gone blank. Yeah. But, so I knew people who... And, um, so... I was, by then I knew the leadership, but I thought I found very interesting your leadership is that you don't, you're, you're a, definitely a leader, absolutely, but I would say you don't lead in a kind of dictatorial way. Is that, so, but you're saying that that is affected by the culture, that, was that deliberate, is that deliberate the way that you lead? It, it's because I made, you were, more, you were more authoritarian, I would say, in one way club than you are here. Very much so. And I made mistakes very early on coming back. And I made mistakes that I wish that I'd never made. And I climbed down and had to learn. In this culture, you've got to go together. For me, it seems as though the, like a celebrity cult person, they always seem to fail. They always seem to bomb out. The cult of the, of the personality, it always lets somebody down and then everybody's disillusioned. It's better to go together and go as a team. And it's a, it's a kind of a leadership style as well. And Carol and I, you know, doing these kind of things where you try to analyze yourself with different ministry tools, it is part of what we always wanted to, come on, let's get buy-in, shall we do yeah. this? And so doing, starting something with the living room, it was who's involved, are they committed? And then it was almost like, okay, um, it's almost like you're setting up uh, an out-of-town um, shopping mall. Okay, well, we've got Marks and Spencers. Okay, we've got Marks and Spencers. Are Debenhams, are you coming? Okay, I've got Marks and Spencers and Debenhams. Cards and Co., are you coming? Or Starbucks, are you going to mm. come in? And all of a sudden, just starting to think about who I want to be involved. I mean, not to puff you up, but it became really apparent that you were a leader. You were somebody that people respected. You were also somebody that was well-trained. You were, you were solid. And you were somebody that I was like, oh, I need you in a core team. And then John Tellis was another person, oh, you know, well-trained, solid person, passion for Wallyford, even though he hasn't been involved yet. He lives near here. He's like, he's another person I really want involved in this. And so just meeting with you guys, I don't know if you remember, there was one evening we sat pretty much here. 
I think you were sitting over there though. I mean, John was sitting there, John Tellis and I was sitting here, and we were the only three that turned up to a prayer meeting. Mm. And I said, I'm really glad about this because I have something that I really want to speak to you guys about, how about forming a team? And I think what I've realized so much over the years is that I have so many failings, I have so many blind spots. Yes, I think I'm quite good up front. I think I'm quite a people person. I think I, I'm quite an encourager, but I don't know it all. I don't see it all. And so I really wanted people around me that could help me to, f to form vision. And I could be a front man, but certainly I needed people who mm. were ready. Yeah, because I remember at the start, because you could have done it. I don't want to big up too much, but you could have done a lot more. You could have been doing the music because you're a very accomplished singer. You didn't do that. There were other things where you're, you, you clearly wanted, I think as a group, we wanted to in, involve everyone. So I think yeah. that was that has been a really positive thing. I, I mean, I can say the same about leadership for me. I, uh, I led the, the United group and I look back and cringe at some of the, the things you did as a leader. Yeah. It's, a t it's tough being a, le totally. a leader. You have to uh, to learn from things that you've, you've done wrong um, and I look back at some of them and go what was I doing why did I even contemplate doing that but yeah so being a pastor is it's, it's different it's different it's, yeah. it's, it's much more it encompasses so much doesn't it in the book I read I mentioned at the start it, you, your responsibility main responsibility to teach yeah. you are to pray yeah. for your for your for your for your church and um, individuals and as a corporate group your care responsibility yeah. um and you've got the leadership responsibility. Yeah. You are the you're you're the, the, the head shepherd, I guess. And and above all that, you also got character, and you've got to be above reproach, yeah. and you've got holiness. That it's a big. Yeah. It's a big I'm giving up. I resign <laughs> right now. No, no, not at all. But it's a it's a heavy weight for any yeah. pastor. How how do you deal? How have you approached that? How do you deal with it day to day with all that responsibility? Um, honestly. I'd be a liar if I said, John, that I, there, every day I don't want to just give up. It's, it is hard. Before you go anywhere, I, even as an elder, there's not a week I go when I'm walking to back from the train or at work or before lockdown, I'm like, I want to give up. Yeah. But anyway, carry on. Yeah. So I can relate to that. I, um, I have a bad trait and sometimes your greatest strength can be your greatest weakness and you have said about how you could have done this you could have done that you could have done everything i and i'm married to somebody who's exactly the same way we i would be quite happy to do a lot of things myself and that's not good leadership and so allowing other people, even if it takes longer to do it, even if it doesn't come out the way you want to do it, is a really important thing. Sometimes, though, I get that wrong and I do too much and I carry too much. And then I have someone like John Teller saying, what can I do to help? Mm. And he's like, Andrew, oh, I'm here. What can I do to help? And I have to apologize and go, yeah, you're so right. Goodness. Um, I like to work hard yeah. um, and I like to be busy and i don't like it when other people aren't busy and that's frustrating and so sometimes like i'll just do it mm. maybe i shouldn't be video editing i kind of like it because i've been involved in a, in a and work. creative well i've been involved in yeah. acting so i've you know i've analyzed television i've been involved in television in fact i've just 
I shouldn't even say this, I've just uploaded me on TV in a drama that I did years ago, and I, I defy you to find it on YouTube, but I'll put it there so my, my kids can always have it. I know TV, yeah. I know theatre, I know entertainment, but church isn't entertainment. Mm. And so I struggle with that, and yet I want to do it, I want to be creative, I want to try things. I love music, but I don't want to take over music because there are great people that can do that. I'm not a details person, I can't analyse a document. I don't know if that floats your boat, John. You do that every day. Yeah, every day. I can't do that. I'm rubbish. I'm not details. I'm not an analytical person. And also, I start things and don't finish them. You know, I have so many flaws, and I'm so grateful for people around me. But I love to listen to other people too, because I have to believe that God gives to the church. He has a list of things. The apostles, the prophets, the, the pastor, the teacher, the evangelist so many gifts that he gives to the church we have to be allowing people to use their gifts otherwise i'm stifling god's work because you're not doing what god has gifted you to do or anybody else across this church and we have to but sometimes it means things takes longer and that's okay um, but there are times when i want to lead but you, don't, yeah. you feel as though you don't want people to think, oh, here we go, another hairbrained idea from Andrew. Not at all. There's plenty that have fallen flat on their faces over the years. So. So, so I think whenever you hear pastors' stories, whatever ministry they've been involved in, there's tough times. Yeah. How would you keep your joy day to day? Because that's one of the key things I think you're told as a pastor, isn't it? You've got, yeah. You can't make it a, a, just a routine of just doing it for the sake of it, otherwise you burn out. And I'm sure you've gone through periods like that yourself. But yeah. how, how, day, how at the moment are you keeping trying to keep your joy um, in, in your day-to-day? -day? Um, something that came up in counselling. When we came back as missionaries from Mexico, it came up in counselling. Uh, we had to do counselling to re-entry counselling. And it wasn't because there was a particular difficulty. But in re-entry back into British culture full-time, I would burst into tears and not know why. I would go to the supermarket and burst into tears and not know why. Drive past, in Northern Ireland, drive past a place where growing up and burst into tears and not know why. And it was through counselling that, just here at HealthLink 360 up at Carberry, brilliant people, that they said, you've got to do things that remind you about who you are. Mm -hmm. And music's massive for me. I need music. Something that, a harebrained thing that I'm doing, and I don't know who in the church is appreciating this or not appreciating this, is on a Monday morning I set out, mm. set out the drive time. Yeah. Oh my goodness, see listening to people's choices. Yeah. Oh, yeah, music makes me cry, mm. makes me absolutely weep. Um, I am reminded of the, I'm reminded of how, how stupid I can be. I can be reminded of my own sinfulness, to use that word, and, and the overcoming love of God. That makes me weep. Mm. That that keeps me humble and that reminds me of where my joy comes along because the busyness can be overwhelming yeah. and the different problems that people are going through that you cannot solve can be yeah. overwhelming but uh, I mean, uh, people may get sick of what I do during our home group questions but I usually throw in regularly questions about what are you doing to fuel mm -hmm. your walk what are you doing to remind yourself 
because I have to do it. We have to do it, John. And so music's massive for me. I find before I go to bed, I've got to listen to a song off YouTube, a Christian song off YouTube. Um, I have my playlists that are my favourite songs that just remind me. I sing a lot. I sing when I'm down here. Um, I also, I've been learning the soprano sax over the past year. It wasn't nothing to do with lockdown. I just had decided to do it. Um, I have a mission praise book that set out, and sometimes I'll take 10, 15 minutes and I'll just pray, I'll just play a song um, mm-hmm. from that if I'm able, if it's not too difficult. And I really enjoyed that because music is massive. It's such a great mm-hmm. thing. We have a whole book of the Bible. Yeah, yeah and, God, and God gives us a totally. gift for us to be encouraged. Totally. To help and I do us. read my Bible and I do pray every day. And I've now made it a thing to read through the Bible. And I've never ceased to be amazed. Reading through the Bible every year, I never ceased to be amazed. Gosh, I didn't even notice Mm. that. I didn't even remember that. Wow, what a brilliant thing. And just to learn, be constantly learning from things that I've read a million times before, and yet it's never meant as much as it means now. Absolutely. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. Totally. Basics. I mean, it is exciting, isn't it? Yeah, it is exciting. Yeah, and I'm the same. I've um, um, less lost well, I like music, but yeah, just to, just the meditating on yeah. basic truths, and then things um, come to light, and you're like, okay, it applies here. Yeah. And yeah, no, it's just keeping going as well, yeah. and using each other. Um. Well, you've kind of mentioned some of your faults. I think, <laughs> I think so. Good to be self-critical, but I think you're very effective as a pastor with us. We, I hope you feel encouraged. Um, I hope we as a, a church encourage you um, yeah, and you feel appreciated for all the, the great work you do. What are some of the things that, that you're just gives you real satisfaction how God has worked, um, either in you or in the church over the years? It's when you hear of people who share, I did this, I had this conversation, such and such a person's opened up. I, I can I ask for prayer for this. Oh, mm. Evangelism, um, evangelism has always been close to my heart. God has always put on my heart uh, a heart for the have-nots. And so Mexico was part of that. Coming to Wallyford, it was reaching out to people that have not. It, it really, that aspect really fires me up. And therefore, the thing that I have to work hardest on is to build up. Because a pastor's job is to, is to equip yeah. The saints for effective service. That's a quality that Corobers has always banged into me for many years. Yeah. But we must be building people up. And I can't be the evangelist for the church. I've got to be one of the evangelists. Yeah. And maybe I need to lead by example. Uh, but I've got to do it. We've all got to yeah. do the work of the evangelists. But, but I love hearing people having conversations. And people's heart for the lost. I love it when people say, I've sent this link out to somebody. Or I've had mm. this conversation. Or somebody's got in contact with me. I mean, I was up um, leaving... Zara to school or picking up Zara from school on Friday I go up to school to pick her up we were probably running over time no no keep going I go to pick her up I'd been to visit somebody the week before it had been an okay visit it had been a frustrating visit because this person I don't want to mention the name but just in case people are watching there were people leaning over the fence and saying hi because I knew them and they wanted to say hi to me too and this person wanted me all to themselves and that was okay as a result of that, walking up to the school, meet the same person who'd been leaning over the fence, who was just asking about things and just sharing about life and about the son and the difficulties that her son has had in going to school. She's walking along with her partner. Her partner's been doing dad's work. 
Dad's Work is a brilliant organisation that have lots of different things, but especially across in the Wimpies, they have a great work. Um, I've met the people from Dad's Work over the years, they're a great bunch. The partner has been going to Dad's Work and has been told, you know, you should go and talk to Andrew at the living room. I mean, these people aren't even Christians over yeah. there. And he goes, I'd love to come down and talk to you. And I'm thinking, I haven't asked for this. Mm. I haven't prayed for this. I, ha I mean, I haven't prayed for an opportunity today, to my shame. But God gave us, please do. Mm. Because I love those dads work people. I'd love to find out how it's been helping you. He's left a, a wreck of a life behind, really doing well, but just wants to talk. Thinking, mm. he wants to talk to somebody who he knows is a minister from the local church. Yeah. What a privilege. Yeah, that yeah. floats my boat. I love it. When God does things like that, yeah. it's amazing, John. And when I hear it happening in other people, I mean, I would choose to go to this church because I find people here really fire me up for their their heart for the lost and their heart to build people up and care for people. We don't always get it right. No. I mean, I think I've been really encouraged with our home group because we did the evangelism yeah. section. And I was finding that we'd already been speaking about evangelism yeah. in the questions that you'd set. Yeah. And then we got to John's and we'd already been relating it yeah. to, to that, which I thought was really encouraging. It's in people's minds already. So uh, yeah, no, it was, I think it was, really, it was really positive to hear. Um, so you, I think it's testament as well that, that people are trusting you from the community. You've obviously done a lot of work in the community. Um, yeah. You've been different parent uh well for councils and carol's been on parent various parent councils yeah. you've, you've done a lot of that you've worked really hard at that um which i think is bearing fruit and is a good thing to do anyway Definitely. Really. um but you you mentioned that you'd probably rather have been in the center of edinburgh i think uh, I, in some ways i'd be the same or would have been uh, yeah. 10 years ago we both love Wallyford. Tell, tell us a little bit about why, why do you love Wallyford? <laughs> you know, honestly, it's uh, um, why Wallyford? Why not Wallyford? <laughs> why not exactly? I mean, I wouldn't go into town for the world. Why? <laughs> I would hate to be a pastor yeah. of a big church in town. I love, it suits me as a Northern Irish person to be in a small town where you can get to know people. I love mm. that. Wallyford's nothing to look at. But I love the people here. Um, I've really grown too because, um, you know, you're an outsider. Wallyford has a traditional community element to it where people have grown up and actually haven't moved away because they just love where they mm. live and it's such a great proximity to Edinburgh why on earth would you want to move there yeah. when you can have all the beaches and mm. and the train straight yeah. I mean, it's a brilliant it is. it is a strategically brilliant place to live but over the years just getting to know people I I am I'm I'm, I'm bowled over by neighbours who've always watched out for me who neighbours who have never come to church as well, and neighbours who have come to church. I mean, we had somebody came round, one of our neighbours came round the other day, who brought some flowers. Mm -hmm. I mean, people who brought food over for us. Now, you know, we're mm -hmm. not, you know, we're not getting a food bank, but it's just nice when yeah. people share. And I, I think more and more and more, when you go to school, you leave kids off to school, Goodness, you know, our kids are constantly complaining when they walk anywhere in Wallyford with us. Well, it's going to take half an hour because we'll be talking to so many people. I mean, there are loads of people I don't know and loads yeah. of people who don't know me either. And that's, you know, it's, it's not, um, you don't force yourself down everybody's throat. But, you know, it's been, it's been taking guts to get to know mm. people, to walk across a courtyard, a room and say hi to somebody. And, you know, I, it's not, I might make it look easy, but it's not easy. I, I have to work and I have to push myself to do it too. But Wallyford is heart. 
it's got a sense of community, it's got a sense of we're Wallyford, it, they like to do things together, coronavirus has made the gala be off this year, loads of other things that we probably should have been doing, that we could have been doing, mm. would have loved to have been doing. Yeah. It's, it's tough, and I think we're going to have to work harder and harder to maintain community small-wise so that we can do big things yeah. as well. I'd love to get Yvonne Robertson on this and have a wee chat with her. Yeah, all things Wallyford, so if Yvonne, if you're listening, you're going to be asked at some point. She'll not want to, but she has she, to. She won't want to. She definitely <laughs> won't want to. Uh, no, there's no rush, though. <laughs> so, yeah, so that is a bit, bit different from when you were growing up because you yeah. said you had a lot of Christians in your school, yeah. totally different yeah. from, from your kids and other kids in our church. Yeah. You had to think a lot about that. Yeah. You do SU work. Yes, and SU's had to move online, of course. So Carol's been really um, building up brilliant resources on what we call living your bite size. We've actually found out loads of kids from church haven't watched it because they're not on Facebook. Mm-hmm. So we're moving things over to YouTube Kids, and that will help us to be able to allow many more kids to access. We're going to be trying to ask the head teacher of whatever primary if we can send out something right. to be able to advertise the YouTube mm-hmm. channel because it, we've got to do things yeah. where we can and everybody's on screens and we've been learning how to present ourselves and, and how to hopefully be interesting and yeah. engaging. And I mean, it's, it's the testament to the work of the Living Room Church. We've worked hard to have a reputation in this community of at least be ca- being caring. Yeah. We might be small in comparison to other organisations here, but you know what? People will know that we love them and we care about them, we pray for them. And our prayer has to be that while we can, we're going to keep on pushing yeah. the boat out and doing what we can. Absolutely, yeah. We could chat all day, couldn't we? We totally. could keep going. This is good. Because um, I have so many questions I would want to well, ask you. Well, uh, <laughs> I've got one more thing. Um, just it's lockdown. Uh, it's different. Everybody's had it. Everybody's had it tough in some way. Yeah. Um, and I guess we don't always think about how other people are having it tough. We all, we often just yeah. think of where we are naturally. Um, but um, I was speaking to my dad. I think I've shared this to you, and he was asking me, "What are you going to be?" He was a he was a um, retired minister, so he kind of gets uh, some of the things you go through. And he was like, well, "What are you doing with this?" And I was like, "Well, we don't know. It's blocked, and we can't make any decisions." what about this? And I was like, well, we don't know that either. And what about this? I don't know. And I was just like, well, that's just the way it is. And he just goes, Andrew must really hate that. That must be so, so difficult for your pastor. And I was, to my shame, I was like, that's a good point. I hadn't even thought about Andrew uh, and how he's coping with all this. So it must have been hard as a pastor during this time. How how have you found it? You know, I think um, it's been a big learning curve because I... um, I think the sense of community that church has given us is something that we could lose bit by bit and it would be an utter crying and sh- crying shame. We have not, I was going to say prided ourselves, which would be, just be awful to say. One Part of our DNA mm-hmm. is, is how we love one another, we connect with one another, mm-hmm. we love to care for one another. Now, we've been really working on that. Still things that we could get better, but actually we've just, we've probably dropped the ball over lockdown so far in assuming we're providing this, we're providing that, we're providing the next thing. Everybody will be taking part in it. No. We need to be seeing people face to face more. I 
like a whole Friday, all I did was visit people. Mm. Um, today um, is Monday, I'm having time with you. I meant to have gone to visit somebody, but Carol was visiting somebody. So I'm trying to tidy up the living room to get us ready so we can have some people in this place to watch together. Mm -hmm. We have got to prioritize that. And the thing that I, I, the thing that I look back on lockdown and, and kick myself for is, we just assumed mm -hmm. that everybody was watching or yeah. that uploading a photograph was enough. No, it's not. We yeah. need to see one another face to face. So I'm going to do more doorsteps, more hopefully catching up with people for a cuppa and being able to pray with people. And I think we'll see the fruit of that mm. really quickly if we do that. That's my biggest fear. Yeah, I could worry about buildings and obviously we'd love bigger yeah. building. Yeah, I, I worry about whether financially we'll be able to see this through and whether people lose their jobs. And yeah, that, that that's horrible. Um, but we're a Christian community mm -hmm. and we mustn't lose that. And we're not too big a church that we could lose that. Yeah. We should be able to hold on to it yeah. and, and encourage people and help them. Yeah, it's, a, it's hard. It's a challenge. It is a hard one. Hopefully we'll not just you and not just John we all need to probably yeah yeah well. and so we we've contacted some people to be part of a care team to do that and help us um, so that people feel well. and hopefully by the time this is actually out there it's already in action in some please in, in yeah. some way well I said you don't have to do this I said right I'm asking you lots of questions before you finish you get to ask me one question so if you want to ask me a question you can you've not seen our first, our previous one it's not been released yet so I might uh, so it's uh, but go for it if you've got anything my my biggest question and I think I've asked you this before um, but my biggest question for you is how do you help me to be a good dad having grown up with a dad who was a minister how do you what what mistakes could I make? And that's not to put your own dad and mum down, yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But what would you say is the biggest thing for somebody in bringing well, up kids? Um, I think you've just got to be, and I know you do this, you chat to your kids about all different issues and you're authentic and you love them. And I think that I, I have so much respect for my dad just for, and I, because he held himself up so well in the house as well as mm -hmm. outside so um they'll be proud uh, yeah so it's just how, how you are day to day in the house is just and because everybody else might say oh he's a pastor he's great and he's this and that but yeah they just want to it's just how you are and, and they and they will be in back well maybe your kids won't be but i certainly wasn't i know my two brothers were you you are you do get embarrassed by having parents who are, are a past you can't get away from that yeah. you can't really hide from that or pretend it's not there yeah. you think you've just got to embrace it and say this is it yeah and all but just creating a, a family environment that's just so much better and it's this joy there's laughter in there mm -hmm. which i know you do you've got your music going on together as a family oh, and no, just, that's not always laughter let me tell okay, you yeah well it looks like it from weird but i think it's just <laughs> creating an environment that's just it, it goes beyond the embarrassment maybe at school or the bullying that they might get and yeah. I, I kind of hid away from it I, I didn't embrace it I just kind of found techniques of not getting noticed or maybe making friends with the right people so I wouldn't get kind of as much wow. abuse so, and each person's going to deal with that differently one of my yeah. brothers um, he, he just rebelled against it so mm. um, there's no one way of doing it and it's not going to work every kid's different mm. but I just think and that's what I've read with uh, 
I, I listened to recently with Matt Chandler, just create a household full of joy, love for God, and that will trump all the what's going on in yeah. the world. Does that make sense? That's good. No, that's really good. <laughs> and I think, yeah, from what I've seen, you guys do that pretty well. No, there's not much more we could do. And I see that in other families in our church as well. I see that kind of closeness and good as a, as a parent um, of young kids to see other people doing it. I think of yeah, the McMillan resource too with yeah. three older kids and yeah, yeah, yeah. good example. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah? You need to end this thing. Yeah, we need to end it. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of editing. <laughs> thank you very much, Andrew. It's great having you on. Oh, thanks so Cheers. much for asking me. Bless right? You. That's all we've got time for. Bye. <laughs>